Well, good morning. Glad you're here. I'm in the middle of three boys, and when we were little, one of our parents or somebody would look at us and say, Lloyd, it looks like you boys are really growing. And it was kind of a, uh, a subjective thing. It, you look taller than the last time I saw you. But, but my dad would move it from the subjective to the objective because in the doorway between our kitchen and our living room was a wall, and, and he would take us along the wall, and, and he would mark a spot, and this is where you were in October, and this is where you were in April, and so, so we could look objectively, yeah, you have grown. You, you've grown a, a half inch in, in, in a certain amount of time. We had a way to measure growth. Well, when it comes to growing in our faith, is it, is it just subjective? Boy, you, you really seem to be growing. Boy, you seem to be really doing better. It seems like you're... Or is there a way we can objectively look at it? Well, I think there is an objective measure, and it comes out in our passage today. So if you've got a Bible, if you turn to Genesis chapter 22, we're going to wrestle with that question, how do we measure growth in our faith? How do we measure growth in our faith in God? Our passage starts this way. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So God's about to test Abraham. A couple questions. What and why? What's, what's the test? And, and, and what, why does God want to test Abraham? What, what, is, what does he want to know? What, what are we going to find out? Well, verse 2 tells us. He says, take now your son... Your only son, whom you love. I think all this is for emphasis. Only son, son whom you love. Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Whoa, man, if you've been with us, you know this getting of a son, conceiving a son for Abraham, Sarah, it has been a journey. It has been hard. Why? Because... The son was promised, and it took 24 years. And there were promises along the way, and Abraham and Sarah doubted. And at one point, they thought, you know, this is ridiculous. We better take things into our own hand. And Sarah sent Abraham to be with her uh, servant, Hagar, and they, together they conceived a child, Ishmael, and Ishmael caused problems when Isaac was born. So he was kicked out of the house, run out of the house, and and, and this is, the, they, they, they long for this son, and now he's a little boy, and, and now God says, you need to sacrifice him. This son, your only son, whom you love. There's the test. So what's Abraham do? Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. They arrive at the spot. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Servants, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. So, so Abraham's convinced we're going to offer this sacrifice, and we will return. That's, there's only two of them going. They predict him, two of them come back. So, how does this play out? You're going to offer him as a sacrifice. How is it that, that two of them, two are going, you're going to sacrifice one, only two, we are going to come back. I don't know that Abraham has all that figured out. 
but he knows that God has promised him. Son, he's promised him a legacy. And, and he's, he's following in obedience. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took his hand, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. But then in verse 7, Isaac note, notices that one part of the sacrifice is missing. Isaac spoke to Abraham and he, his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham says, verse 8, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand, took his knife to slay his son. Can you imagine what is going through his mind? Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And how do we process this? No place, no place in the Bible does God talk about human sacrifice. So this wouldn't fit. No place does God condone the, the murder of an innocent person. So, so what was the mind of God? We don't know, but he was calling Abraham, are you Willing to sacrifice your son. That which means so much to you. Will you trust me? Will you obey me? Will you follow me? To the point of giving up someone you love. We open the service by seeing how great thou art. And many of us would say yes and amen to God is great. Here's the question we've got to recognize, wrestle with though. Is he greater than anything or anyone on earth? Is there someone or something we value more than God? Or Do we have the faith to say, God, it hurts, I don't understand, but I'll obey you. I'll let him go. I'll let her go. I'll let my job go. I'll let whatever go. See, we're looking for an objective measure. How are we doing in our faith? How are we doing in our faith? Well, we have a way to measure it. It's how we're doing in our obedience. How are we doing in following God? So how do we measure growth in our faith? Our obedience, the degree to which we obey God, measures growth in our faith. Do any of us have perfect obedience? No, we don't, because we don't have perfect faith. But what direction are we moving? How are we going? Are we growing in our faith? One way to measure that is obedience. Now, God didn't call Abraham to slay his son, but you know there there were people back 200 years ago uh, their sons and daughters would go to the mission field. They'd go to Africa. And, and disease was so bad, they'd take their belongings in a casket. And when you're sending your son or daughter to the mission field, you're sending them probably to their death. You're not going to see them again. So in a sense, you're giving up your son or daughter. So 
So this idea of not treasuring people over God, it's, it, it's got many implications in our lives. Will we trust God to let a person go? To let a job go? But, but man, my career and I was doing so well, yeah, but it's killing you and it's killing your family. Will you let that go? Will you trust me to provide the income? Will you trust me to provide the significance? Will we trust God to let things go? Man, this boy, this guy, this girl I've been dating, I mean, we're so close, but they're, they're not a follower of Jesus, not even close. You need to let that go. Will you trust God to let that go? Hebrews 11 writes about Abraham in the Faith Hall of Fame, and here's what it says about him. By faith, there's our word, Abraham, when he was tested, right here, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Man, this is a promise that took 24 years to fulfill. There were a lot of tears, a lot of doubt, and now I'm going to offer him up. Verse 18, it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. I'm going to be this great nation that's coming through Isaac. Now I've got to offer him up. Why? Verse 19, he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. God can give or take or or make or, or create anything. Will we offer that person that thing, that position, that popularity, will we offer to God or are we holding it? Do we have the faith to let go? Parents, sometimes kids' sports, kids' activities, kids' band, kids' dance can become an idol. And we need to walk through with our kids. You need to let this go because this is getting in the way of your relationship with God. God is more important. We're, we're teaching a value system. Do we have the faith to believe that God is more important than whatever. You know, that's been a process for me. I came to faith in 1979, so we're almost 40 years. And one of the first things, I went to college to secure my livelihood. I majored in chemical engineering. And I thought, gosh, I don't want to take my faith too seriously because I I, I want to get this degree. Little did I know, I mean, experience has taught me security is in God, not in a job. But at, at that point, it was... I don't want to give up my studies because I, I want to get this degree. No, Andy, you need to trust God. Uh, maybe 10 years later, I, I would not get married until I was 33, and I was 26 or 7, and I was not on schedule. And God said, will you follow me single? Am I enough? And boy, I wrestled with that before I said yes. Uh, we got married, and three or four years in, want to have children, and, and early on, the doctor said, you know, it's, it's not a given that you're going to have children. There may be some complications there. We have two sons, but we didn't know that. Will you give that up? Will you follow me, and I will be your sufficiency without children? Later in the job search that brought us here to Lincoln, I, I, I thought there was, it just wasn't working out, and I remember going to Hope one Sunday night and saying, you know what, I think I may, may need to retrain Go to Cochise Community College. And she said, let's give it till December. But, but I had to wrestle through. I, maybe I'm not going to be a pastor, and that's okay. There are other ways to serve God, and God can be pleased with that. But I had gone to school, and I had trained for this. and So all along, I, I think there are going to be tests in our faith. Will you give that up to God? Do you have the faith? And when we sing the song, How Great Thou Art, do we believe it, that God is greater than anyone or anything on earth? that we can trust him. We're looking to measure our faith. How are we doing in our obedience? Well, 
Isaac has been stopped from sacrificing his son, but God's still got a provision, verses 13 and 14. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him in a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. And so, there's a summation from the angel of God. Here's what the angel says, starting in verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven. He said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, as the sands which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have been obeyed. You have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived in Beersheba. And then verses 20 through 24 gives a bit of a genealogy of his... um, Abraham's brother's lineage. But God says, I can now go forward in blessing you and in working through you because I understand you have nothing before me. You have no idol. You have no relationship. You have no job. You have no popularity. You have nothing that you're holding before me. I have your fullest affection, your fullest desires. And for us to get there, I think it is a faith walk. Because in this creation, we want certain things. We want certain affirmation. We want popularity. We want notoriety. We want comfort. We want a car. We want a boat. We want whatever we want. And God says, you can't have those things above me. Will you allow me to develop the faith in you? And and, and maybe, like me, you sit here and say, Andy, I'm not sure I'm there. I've got this, that, and the other that that i got to be honest, it has a hold on me. I've been working at this, I've been going to school for this, and I want this, and I want that, and I've worked at this relationship, and what do I do? Well, it's here that we we turn our eyes to Christ. Uh, You'll notice some similarities here. Uh, Isaac carried the wood for his sacrifice, and and so did Jesus when he carried his cross. And uh, Jesus was silent when he died, as Isaac was. Uh, The difference is there was no out for Jesus. There was an out for Isaac. Jesus knew that. There was no way out. And as bad as Isaac's death was going to be, his, his was far worse. And, and, and he went through it. And, and God said, if you'll do that, I will raise you from the dead on the third day. And your name will be uh, cherished forever. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But Jesus trusted the Father enough to let go. What? Let go of his own life and endure suffering because he believed God. And, and, and like I said, maybe... You, when you think about that thing or whatever it is that, Andy, I can't let go. That has such a hold on me. I I can't do it. Um, I'm there. I'm with you. But there's a Christ who will work in us to change us at the heart level, to change our value system, that we might be able to let go, and that we might grow in our faith that we value God so much that um, the the, the thing or the popularity or, or... pales in comparison. Again, we sing that song, How Great Thou Art. How great is God in your life? How great is God in my life? Let's pray that he'd make us, he'd become so great that the stuff, we would have the obedience to follow in faith 
to let go. And we're looking to measure our obedience. We, our, our faith, we can do it by, by looking at our obedience. How, is our, how are we doing? What is the track record? Are we people of obedience or not? In the spring of 1984, I was in my last year of graduate school. I, I decided it was time I, I get in shape. And so I started jogging. And I jogged all that spring and all that summer. And I had a, a number of friends say, man, you look like you're getting in pretty good shape. And you, you can run at a decent clip. And you can do that. And again, it was, it was a subjective thing. Well, it was about, about six or eight months into it. I think it was October or November 1984. My roommate said, hey, Andy, there's a, a 10K. You ought to get up and run this thing. It's Saturday morning. I mean, so I'm kind of... Okay, and so we, 30 minutes, we go to the start line, and, and we, we, we do this thing, and, and I didn't know if I could make it, and, and I did, and um, I remember crossing the finish line, and I crossed in about uh, 43 minutes and 30 seconds, something like that, right in there, so a 10K is 6.2 miles, so I think I, I ran about a seven-minute mile. Well, I had an objective measure. Like I said, when I started running, I don't think I could have finished six miles, and now I had an objective way to, yes... I have progressed from not being able to finish to run seven-minute mile for, for six miles. I can't do that now, but that was many years ago. But it, it moved from the subjective, boy, it looks like you're getting in shape, to, to the objective. And God gives us an, an objective way to measure how we're doing our faith. Really, how we do in obeying God. Obedience gives us an objective measure of our faith. 